This week on I Know You Hear Me with Flynn Hendricks. What was it like as your parents saw you developing this love? Were they encouraging? Did they encourage you to have a backup plan? How was that for you? I think my parents saw me as more of a singer mm -hmm. because I grew up always singing. Right. And I guess I had a natural knack for it, even at a young age. And so they always thought I was going to be just a singer. But when I delved into acting, I think they saw the two as going hand in hand. Absolutely. So they weren't, yeah, so they weren't very opposed to it. They saw it all as under the umbrella of show business. And so they immediately supported me. And I think it was because they knew I was able to sing. Surely I can act. Right, <laughs> right. They made that thankfully turned out well. <laughs> Absolutely. And then. I want to take a minute and thank our newest sponsor and partner, Dubby Energy. And while I'm doing that, I want to ask you a question. Are you like me and trying to find that pick-me-up throughout the day or just trying to find a way to get yourself going when you wake up in the morning? Well, then look no further because I'm about to give you my exclusive code to Dubby Energy. And if you don't know what Dubby Energy is, let me fill you in a little bit. It's a natural energy drink that doesn't have the crash doesn't have the jitters it's keto friendly and it has all the good ingredients that your body needs to help on focus getting energy and keeping going throughout the day and you don't have to worry about the crashes or the jitters at the end of it i've started using it and god almighty do i notice a big difference my focus is where it needs to be my concentration is on point and i am absolutely crushing it in my workouts and it's helping me on those long road trips to wrestling shows too because, you know, as a traveling world television champion, I'm all over the place. I've got husband responsibilities. I've got dad responsibilities. I've got everything going on, and this stuff helps me get through it all. So if you want to try it for yourself, use my exclusive code, Glenn Hendricks, all one word, and use the link in my show notes below to go check out W Energy and get some for yourself and feel as amazing as I'm feeling right now, and you won't be disappointed. And I know you hear me. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me, Flynn Hendricks. And this is an episode I, to say I'm excited about having, is a huge, huge understatement because it would not do my guest justice. Um, actually, I'm going to hold off on any more details until I get through all the fun stuff I have to do at the start of every episode because there's a lot to get into. So if this is your first episode, believe you me, you picked a great one to start with. And after you're done listening to our interview tonight, I got to encourage you to go into the archives, listen to all of my previous guests. I've got over a year's worth of interviews in there for you to look out for. Do a deep dive on those, subscribe, share, leave a five-star review if you think I've earned it, and then just word of mouth helps more than you know. Get connected with me on all social media platforms as well so you can keep up with what I've got going on. You can keep up with what the show's got going on, future guests. All that fun stuff is there. Plus, it's a great way, too, if you've got a local convention and you want me to come do a live podcast there, tag me, tag the powers that be, and let's make it happen because those cons are a fun thing for me to do now that I've had some experiences there. It's an addiction, and I want more of it. And also, too, guys, if you want to support the show, I do have merch available. I've got merch available for this show. I've got wrestling merch, and I've got merch for Tales from the Haunt as well. So if you want to keep these podcasts going, get the merch, check the show notes. I've got links for everything there, and we can ship directly to you. So all proceeds will help the podcast keep going, and they also benefit the Nashville Humane Society. So not only does it do some good there, if you take a picture and you tag me in the merch, you 
you take that selfie, you look like one of the cool kids with all the cool swag you're wearing, I'll give you a shout-out on the podcast and on social media, and everybody wins. Man, I have got goosebumps for this one, because this is something that was supposed to happen a while back, but uh, Family Emergency kind of postponed this interview, but were it not for today's guest, I wouldn't be Flynn Hendricks. That name would not even exist right now. My guest today has done so much to help me in my voiceover career that anything I say would probably not do her skills as a coach and as an actor all around justice, but I'm going to try and give her the introduction that she deserves. Not only is she a voice actor, she's a singer, she's a director. You have heard her name, uh, you've heard her voice in some of the biggest franchises in animation, in anime, in video games. You've heard her in Dragon Ball, My Hero Academia, Final Fantasy, Inuyasha, Yashahime, One Piece, Rising of the Shield Hero, Fruits Baskets, The Boy and the Beast. You've heard her associated with Disney, Nintendo, Cartoon Network, Marvel Entertainment, Funimation, Netflix, you name it. She's been there. And let's go ahead and say it right now. She's a hell of a voiceover coach as well. So it is my pleasure to have on the show Morgan Berry. Morgan, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. Hey. Of course. I, I'm glad we could finally make this happen because I know we tried last year, but, you know, family emergency came up and you were gracious enough to be understanding. And here we are now. Yeah. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here, too, man. So this is, like I said, if it weren't for you, there would be no Flynn Hendricks. That name would just be another Chris lost in a sea of Chris's. So <laughs> I, I got to give you credit where credit is due on that, because everything that's taken off voice acting wise for me now you're na- like you are tied to it because Flynn Hendricks is front and center. So thank you for again being such a hell of a coach to help me come up with a name and help me stand out a little bit more too. Yeah, of course. I love helping out in any way I can. Absolutely. So let's uh let's jump into like your story from the beginning. Where did this love of acting and performing come in for you? In all honesty, I can't think of a specific moment where it all hit me mm-hmm. I just knew I loved the arts right. I loved movies, I loved shows I loved singing and then I fell in love with performing and that I believe started in middle school I auditioned for Aladdin Junior in middle school Ooh. and even just the audition was so much fun for me and that's the moment I realized I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life Absolutely. And then because it's we hear this story all the time where as kids now, like we develop these loves for these things that some people may say are unattainable. And, you know, our parents grew up in a different generation where things like that. You didn't even think about doing that for a job. What was it like as your parents saw you developing this love? Were they encouraging? Did they encourage you to have a backup plan? How was that for you? I think my parents saw me as more of a singer Mm -hmm. because... I grew up always singing right. and I guess I had a natural knack for it, even at a young age. And so they always thought I was going to be just a singer. But when I delved into acting, I think they saw the two as going hand in hand. Absolutely. So they weren't, yeah. So they weren't very opposed to it. They saw it all as under the umbrella of show business. And so they immediately supported me. And I think it was because they knew I was, able to sing surely i can act right <laughs> right they made that thankfully turned out well 
Absolutely. And then with with the singing, you know, like you said, kind of going hand in hand with the acting, I've had some unique performance experience outside of acting and voice acting, and it kind of prepared me in the same way that it sounds like singing prepared you. Would you say that it also kind of helped eliminate any stage fright or helped you find a way to get that under control when you were front and center in the spotlight? It definitely, the skill helped me with my creative instincts mm-hmm. and my breath support, uh, translating from my vocal singing training to acting. Um, repeat the question again. Oh, I was just asking if like you found that performing with singing helped you, you know, like feel comfortable as an actor and keep the stage fright at bay and everything. Yes. My experience, my live experience on stage helped train me to right. to perform without fear. Right. Or at least with a, a little less fear. <laughs> I had to be memorized. I had to go out on stage mm-hmm. and act and remember my lines and perform even through the fear because... I have a horrible memory. Oh, yeah. There's always that fear that I'm going to forget a line. And that's what I deal with on stage. That's also what I fear on stage singing, both acting and singing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget the lyrics that I'm singing. Right, right. And so, in all honesty, I feel like being a live performer definitely helped train me to be a voice actor. And it helped build my confidence and it helped prepare me for those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And looking at your resume too, and then just kind of like from discussions we had during our coaching sessions, I know at one point you went from stage performance to even like a stage director and a stage manager. What was it like for you transitioning to, you know, like being the character that was being directed to being somebody that was actually directing the actors? How was that for you? Hmm. In all honesty, I don't, quite know how to describe it because I feel like my own journey as a director mm-hmm. I kind of pick and choose different directing styles that I vibed with as a right an actor um there are certain directors that I I love their directing style and they were always easy to work with and easy to understand mm-hmm. and I feel like I pull from each of those experiences as a director today Absolutely. I learned a lot from Caitlin Glass. Oh, Mike yeah. McFarland. Yeah, Mike McFarland and Alex Von David. Some of my favorite directors. I've learned a lot from them over the years. And I I always hope to implement their their directing and teaching styles. Absolutely. And then too, like when you're working with somebody that may be a newer actor, for example, do you feel like that having your background, having the acting experience makes it easy for you to kind of pick up on those things that they may not even realize yet or may not be comfortable saying like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you feel like that helps you approach it in a way that's easier for them to be able to express that or come to terms with it? Yeah, I like to be a director that someone can feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to be the person that people can come to and be comfortable and transparent with themselves they can be honest with me if they're having a tough time. I am understanding and patient, um, and or at least I try my best. Absolutely. And I can see through an actor when they're new and nervous. It, it can be right. typically very obvious when they're super new to this. 
And I want to be the person that they can confide in through that journey. And I like to be as uplifting as I can. Absolutely. I, a lot of the times, I, I like to do this thing called the compliment sandwich, where when I do when I do notice that an actor is struggling with nerves and they're mm -hmm. self-conscious, I can easily tell when they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves. And so I like to encourage them and, and support them. And I want to encourage them and let them know, Hey, you're on the right path. You're doing great. Right. So when I do give them critique or feedback, I give them a compliment. I tell them, you know, all the places that they're doing well in absolutely and then I give them the critique and then i give them another compliment to seal the deal right to uplift them i need to uplift uplift them and restore their confidence so that's why i call it a compliment sandwich i love that because i mean ultimately you're trying to help them advance and develop as a better actor to get to the finish line of the project that you guys are both working on to make it the best that it can be and i think that's that's a great way to deliver that kind of you know, critiquing and criticism for the overall betterment of that actor and the project too. Right. And I've had sessions where I was torn down. I've had a director who consistently is known for making people cry in the booth. Mm -hmm. They are so mean and they give line reads for everything. They have a specific way they want everything done. And so they don't really allow the actor to act and it's a nightmare and it's not fun working with someone like that. Absolutely. And so I, I strive to not be that kind of person, to not be that kind of director. And it honestly, it, it, I've noticed it hinders an actor's spirit. It hinders their performance mm -hmm. um, because confidence really is key. You Absolutely. have to be confident in your abilities in order to deliver a believable performance and so that's why I do my best to uplift the actor and assure them that they are here for a reason they were cast this is their role and they're doing a great job and they you know I try to r remind them of that absolutely and uh, let's get into when you uh became a voice actor now because what you just said right there is a lot you know I feel like a lot of people jumped into the voice acting world when the pandemic started because then it wasn't a requirement that you had to be in a major hub like L.A., Dallas, New York, wherever it may be. And more people became involved, but at the same time, more people may have also fizzled out because they weren't able to take that critiquing or that criticism to get better as actors. What was it like for you when you first started and you began like receiving the compliment sandwiches or however they were given to you to become a better actor behind the microphone and bringing what you brought into the booth with you? My first lead role was in a show called Riddle Story of Devil, and it was with Funimation at the okay. time. And Caitlin Glass was my director, and she walked me through it. She taught me so much. Oh, yeah. It was my first lead, and I I had only been doing voiceover for like five months at that time. Wow. So, yeah, I was very, I was still very new. I had been acting for years prior, but voice acting that was a different business that I didn't understand yet. Right. And so Caitlin walked me through it and she, she was such a amazing mentor mm -hmm. throughout that part of my journey. And I definitely hope that I can do the same for other people. 
Absolutely. And it, it's so funny that you mention that that's how your story went because I just did a class with her and she mentioned how she loves finding actors like that are stage actors, theater actors, however you want to describe it, that haven't like had experience behind the mic and she loves getting them in there and watching them just bring that magic and that talent to the booth. Like it's such a, a fun experience for her is the way she described it. So it's so cool to hear you say that so recently after taking that class with her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you were able to learn from her because oh, yeah. she's, literally one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely. So one thing you also helped me with in the coaching, and we're going to do a, like a full expansion on that here in just a little bit, was you recommended as we were initially wrapping up that I start investing in like learning dialects. And you got me connected with Paul St. Peter. Can't thank you enough for that. What was it like when you started voice acting? Did you already have ideas for like dialects and different things you would have to do at that time? Or was that something that just kind of came after you like started doing voice acting? Funny enough, I actually just got back from uh, hanging out with Paul. Ah, we, we went to a, a local pub and nice, some- nice. Yeah. And it'd been so long since I've seen him in person. It was so nice to catch up with him. Of today. course. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as dialects, I, there were a few that I chose that I wanted to work on because I just like the sound of them. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few others that I knew I would probably need access to at the drop of a hat because yep. that's kind of how it happens. Um, I had an audition for Marvel Avengers Academy and I had to know the Slavic dialect. Oh man. And in all honesty, I was not prepared, but I did the audition anyway. Right. And they booked it. And so <laughs> I downloaded like over 300 audio files of the Ooh, Slavic dialect so that I could gosh. practice. Yeah. And they needed the lines with within two days. Wow. Yeah. So I worked my butt off for that. Oh, and then yeah. Another time, another time, I auditioned for a video game. No dialects in that audition, but they cast me in the game, not as a character I auditioned for, but someone completely different. Mm hmm. So when I came in for the session, I didn't know who, I didn't know what voice I would need. They didn't give me any heads up. I go in and the director says, hey, you can do a Louisiana accent, right? And I was like, in my head, I was thinking I've never even tried that. So I didn't say yes and I didn't say no. I said, I can try. That was my response. Mm -hmm. And I step up to the microphone. I've never had to do that accent before and so I turned over I thought can I try a Texas accent instead I asked them just because it's I at the time it was the only one I could do and I was like well they want an accent maybe they'll accept this so I said hey can I try this and they were like yeah sure go for it and so I tried it and they were like oh yeah yeah we like that let's keep that and thank god (laughs) uh so I was able to go with a dialect I actually had knowledge of right that will happen though sometimes you will be thrown in the booth and they're like okay you're gonna do this dialect go and they expect you without any heads up they expect you to know how to do it oh yeah kind of have to be prepared for that whenever the opportunity arises absolutely and it's it's one of those things too like there's so much more in depth to it that I didn't know. I didn't realize um, going into that first session with Paul and he it, it kind of caught me off guard, too, because he gave me props that I was able to pick up on things that I would hear. But then as I was going to transcribe, you know, like the English major brain that I cannot shut off for whatever reason 
would, you know, catch the transcriptions. He says, you hear it, but you've got to shut your brain off to write it. And, like, it's it's a whole nother world in itself that, man, I never would have even known what to get into had you not referred me to him. And it was one of the best decisions that I could have ever made because it's helped out in so many different ways since the last time we had a coaching session, too. Like, it's just improv, live performance, whatever, you name it, it helps. It, it's just a great way to have a, a different take on things, but it's easy to make it authentic when you have all this background behind it, too, as opposed to just a horrible imitation. Yep. I, I'm really glad that you ended up reaching out to him and learning from him. Absolutely. I was kind of scared at first, though, because you know it took about a month to hear a response back, but... When he oh, he's did, a busy guy. oh, he he's is, busy, yeah. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> yep. But when he, I mean, when he responded three days later, we had our first session, and like clockwork from there, it was, it was good to go. Nice. That's so awesome. Absolutely. And then one thing too that I've noticed, like especially looking at your resume and then looking at it as you were, we were coaching as well, is all of your credits are you know, directing or you're in the animation world, whether it's anime, Marvel, Disney, you name it. And you hear a lot of these voice actors say that, yeah, it's fun to do animation, but the real money and paying your bills comes from commercial and narration, all that fun stuff. But you're proving that to not be true. Like you're making all your money, you're keeping your income coming from animation. So how does that feel for you to not only break that stereotype, but to be out there kicking ass, taking names, and having the voice behind it too? I'm really fortunate, actually, because yes, commercials and promo, that pays much better than mm-hmm. anime. <laughs> um, sometimes video games can pay decently, and pre-late animation can pay decently. Oh, yeah. Most of my work is in anime, though, and anime doesn't typically pay well. Right. So I'm very fortunate that I've been able to live off of just my voiceover work. I I would say that's a huge accomplishment because a lot of this job requires auditioning, Mm -hmm. having the the connections to receive those auditions. Absolutely. And then auditioning and hoping you book. So when you do book, you get paid because you don't, you don't get paid for those auditions. So it's a lot of work for no pay unless you actually book. Absolutely. Very fortunate to book as much as I do. Very, very true. And then that, that actually uh, presented a couple questions that I wanted to ask. So you just open the door right away for them. With that, too, uh, circling back to your musical background and your singing, in the world of anime with ADR, you know, uh, dubbing, matching mouth flaps and all that, did you find that your musical background helped with your timing to make that a make that a possibility and bring bring those characters to life on this side? Yes, it definitely did. There's a certain musicality skill mm-hmm. that you need in order to match those animated mouth flaps. And you have to understand how to slow down your pacing, uh, lengthen your pacing in order to match those flaps and to understand and take direction from your director. Absolutely. Because they will tell you how to match those flaps. They will say, all right, we need to pick in the the pace on, quicken the pace on the first sentence and then really slow it down for the last sentence because we got to fill in those last flaps mm-hmm. and you have to be able to take all of that direction in one go no matter right. how long the monologue is you have to keep all of those notes in mind in one go and i feel like my experience as a singer my skill musically 
definitely helps me to keep the proper pace absolutely and to match up to the beeps of anime mm-hmm. and then one thing too because after um after i finished coaching with you i went on and did a, a second master class with sunny straight and one of the biggest things that he recommends is or he not even recommends he just flat out says it when you're doing dubbing you have to know that character you have to be in that character ready to go so that it's not you don't even have to think about it when you're matching mouth flaps. You know that character front and back. With your acting background, did you find that it helped you uh, develop a better understanding of those characters, even when you're seeing like the the Japanese version of it or whatever it may be, and you see the subtitles? But did you find that that helped you bring the emotions that they were conveying, even if you were just having to read the words across the bottom of the screen too? Mm-hmm, yes, there are definitely context clues. Mm-hmm within each scene and within the character's biography and within the dialogue of the character. But the thing is, they don't, in voiceover, they don't really give you a lot of time to discover this character and really to get into character. It's very ready, set, act. Mm -hmm. You don't get weeks to discover and get into character. You don't get a lot of time. Sometimes you'll get into the booth and that's the first time you're hearing, oh, this is the character you're voicing for. Go. It's very uh, ready, set, act. You just got to do it. You have to You have to get into character so incredibly quickly, more so than when compared to on stage acting and on camera acting. Absolutely, absolutely. Because that, that's one of the biggest things you said too. And like for me with the musical background, the first time you see something, they would call it sight reading. And you have to make that choice. You have to commit to that choice and not half-ass it when you do it because otherwise you just wasted the director's time. You wasted your time. You've got to be confident in the decision you make. And if they want to change it, they'll have you do a second take with different direction after the fact. Yes, this career is all cold reading Mm -hmm. minus motion capture. Motion capture, you do have to be memorized. But for the most part, voiceover is cold reading. Absolutely. And I want to I want to come back to the motion capture here in just a moment. But with with this world, too, of voice acting, like you mentioned earlier, the auditions are the job. But when you're actually in the booth, in the studio and you get the job, that's when you get paid. When you first started out and, you know, like leading into where you are now in your career, what was it like to learn the, you know, submit it and forget it mentality and navigate those ebbs and flows where you had busy spells, then you had dry spells, and then you come back into it? How did you navigate that and not let that deter you from, like, not pursuing this further? Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins, and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there, and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code flynn that's f-l-y-n-n she's even going to get you 10 percent off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and i know you hear me honestly you kind of have to have a hobby outside of it you mm-hmm. can't make this career your whole life right it's okay to focus on it because this is if this is something you love and you aspire to be a part of it makes sense for you to make it your whole life, but it's also important to have a hobby on the side and 
to have friends and family because Absolutely. there will be lulls in your career. There are ups and downs. It comes in waves. Mm-hmm. That is show business. That's it. No matter no matter whether you're a veteran or a newbie. And so I highly recommend that you take the time. That free time that you have, you know, it's okay to use that time to take classes and train. Mm-hmm. But also just make time for yourself to chillax. Don't get too caught up in whether the auditions are coming in. Yep. Or whether you're booking those auditions that do come in. Don't get too caught up in that because guess what? It's not all about your acting abilities. There's so many different factors that very true need to be accounted for when casting. So it doesn't mean you suck. If you don't cast, it doesn't mean you suck. It could mean that your vocal type just wasn't what they were looking for, and mm-hmm. that's okay. So there's a lot of different factors that come into play with casting. Absolutely. So never look at yourself and think, oh, gosh, I suck. Don't. No, 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 no. This is show business. There are always going to be ups and downs. Very true. You just got to get used to it. That's show business. That's it. And, I mean, that's something that you helped me, you know, learn and get comfortable with, too, because – the world I came from before was another form of acting, but it was a lot more cutthroat, a lot more, you know, pat on the back, but I'm also going to put a knife in your back and tell you you suck if it's not good. So getting that reaffirmation from you about that too definitely helped because, I mean, it was a long stretch before I booked my first, like, big anything after our coaching, but once you did, the gates open, you get that hot spell, you get another ebb and flow, and then... It's been maybe a little over 10 days now, but I just booked another big thing, and then here we are again. So it it comes and goes, but you just have to stay consistent with it. And then, like you'd mentioned, having the hobbies and the outside interests as well, would you say that that's also helped, you know, like with the mental health aspect of recharging batteries and not getting burned out doing this? Yes, it greatly helps your mental health. Absolutely. There are so many that become so obsessed, including me, including Mm -hmm. me. I was so obsessed with success. Yeah. And the thing is, no matter where you are in your career, you will, it it will never be enough. Right. We think, oh, if I achieve this, if I book my first lead in an anime series, I'll have made it. No, it will never be be enough it, right. for you it will never feel enough trust me you set goals for yourself which is good it's good to set goals for yourself but each goal you hit there's another goal to be met absolutely it will never feel like enough and that's why you need to not make it your number one priority mm-hmm. and it's, you have, to have something outside of that absolutely and i feel like i've come to learn like doing these interviews and just talking to so many different people that seems like it's you're you're basically going counterculture against what we're you know like taught growing up or what we see in society all around us is that you have to go on to the next thing. It's glorified to be a workaholic, and I, I've been there. I've done that. I just stepped away from it. Like I'm counting down to my last three days in a stressful job that tells you your best is not good enough, and I'm just counting down to be away from that and have something I can leave at the door and put more energy into my family and this and not be miserable at home. And, you know, it's like you just, when you tell somebody that they, they don't understand that because they're in the same boat that you are where you see what's all around you. That's what's praised. But it's so cool to talk to people that have that same mentality where we are the square pegs in the round holes that want to do these fulfilling things and not be on that hamster wheel, just burning ourselves out. And we want to acknowledge what we've done, but we also want to know that, like you said, 
If we don't book something, it's not because we suck. It's just because it's not what we were looking for. That's okay. I can enjoy what I'm doing now and wait for the next thing to come. Yep, exactly. Man, I again, I feel like we solve the world's problems on this podcast, but we don't get paid a dime for it. So maybe that'll change one day. But the mocap that you mentioned, uh, I've had quite a few friends that have done that, and I've never actually done that myself. I don't know how I would look in one of those suits, but what is that like for you when you have to not only do the physicality, but you have to memorize those lines? What is that like for you, and how do you balance all that and keep from getting stressed out? I personally haven't had to uh, haven't had to do a motion capture session yet, mm-hmm. but I have studied, gotcha. which I think is very important to do. Oh yeah, you guys take uh, have any session or audition for any motion capture project because you want to know what to prepare yourself for, mm-hmm. and you don't want to make a fool of yourself. Of course, and because that happens. If you go into it with without prior experience, mm-hmm. you might just look like a noob, and you don't want to look like a noob. You yeah. want to go into there as a professional to show people, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Absolutely. And so Victoria Atkin teaches some motion capture courses, and I highly recommend them because she knows what she's doing. She's had years of this experience, and she always has has guest speakers come in as well. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to see if I can um, give you guys the website. So Absolutely. That can... And I'll have that in the show notes along with your information as well so people can follow you and also get links to your coaching information that we're going to talk about here momentarily. Ooh. So the website is weaudition.com. 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 Okay. And I'll have that in the show notes to make it easy for everybody to find as well. So win-win. Yeah, so definitely check that over before you post it up. But yeah, Absolutely. anything with Victoria Atkin is a great place to study because she knows what she's talking about. And I highly suggest that you guys, if before you even think about doing motion capture, study it, train mm-hmm. in the art. Because each genre of voiceover has its own pros and cons. It has its own techniques mm-hmm. that you need to study before you jump into it. Very, very true, and wise words from a wise coach as well, and that's what I want to get into next. Like That's going to be probably the biggest portion of this interview because, like I mentioned, coaching with you helped open so many doors for me and guided me on the right path for where I needed to be, and I have no doubt, too, that you know that's going to help so many other people as well. So where did this giving nature and this teacher's mentality and love of giving back, where did that all come from? I've been teaching since I was about uh, 16. Okay. I was a performing arts teacher for kids ranging from the ages of like 3 to 18. Wow. (laughs) And I have always had a love for teaching. I love being able to relay the information I have. Absolutely people to help others it's a good feeling being able to help others with the knowledge that you have you know and so I've always had that love in me and I think right around the pandemic the start of the pandemic I started noticing there were a lot of voiceover scams Mm -hmm. coaching scams oh yeah from amateurs who had barely any professional experience 
and I was tired of it. I was so tired of hearing stories of people getting taken advantage of, wasting their money on these people who couldn't even help them in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I decided, hmm, well, I know I can actually help people. So maybe I should start coaching. Absolutely. And start warning people professionally of the dangers of these amateurs teaching. So I started coaching and I didn't even really market it. I just kind of threw myself out, out there. I didn't even market it on Twitter or anything, but word got around. And so yep. I started uh, accumulating students and I do my best to make time for everyone. And I'm a no pressure kind of coach. Absolutely. Like, I understand that the finances aren't always there. That's okay. I understand things come up. I try to be very understanding and patient because I feel like every coach should be. If they mm -hmm. truly care about their students, then they will be. And um, I'm the kind of coach that will tell you. I'm a no-nonsense coach. I will tell you, hey, don't get your demo produced by so-and-so. Yep. Yeah, don't, don't take a class with so-and-so. They haven't worked in this industry for 10 years. They don't know the current market. The yep. trends are always changing. You need to learn from someone who's actually booking today. Absolutely. Not someone who hasn't booked in 20 years. Hello. I'm the kind of person who will give you the real talk and tell you, yeah, no, look for the red flags. Here are the red flags. I'm the person that will give you the real talk. I'm not going to sugarcoat words because you need to know the truth. Absolutely. I wish, I wish that I had that when I first got started in this industry. So I want to be that for other people. And again, like I, I respect so much of that because you didn't really get that in the wrestling world. It was always like so-and-so is teaching a seminar. So-and-so is doing this. And so-and-so may not have had a match or worked for a company in 20 years. But then, you know, like you made a very, very strong statement. I think it was in our first or second session together. Always look at whoever's coaching Look at an IMDb profile. Look at what they've booked. Are they booking, you know, continuously? Is there anything current? Keep up to date with what they're doing because if they haven't booked in X amount of years, they're not up to date with what's going on in the market. And that is wise, wise, wise words that you don't hear from a lot of people because, again, it's probably a money grab. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just – that one person, Yeah, there's one person in particular who she's booked a few major things, but – it's all for like one studio and not much outside of that. And I'm wondering like, girl, you don't even have connections to other studios. Why are you coaching your buddies with this person? And that's why you're able to book with them. But that's really it. Like they have no substance outside of that. And that's not someone mm -hmm. I want to learn from. She doesn't even live in LA anymore. Right. It's, and it's one of the things too. It's, it's brutal honesty, but it's refreshing because then, you know, too, that person's not going to sugarcoat you. And, you know, as before we recorded here tonight, I was actually listening to um, another episode that I'm prepping to air where we talked about, you know, like people that say coaches may be mean or coaches may be this because it's just not all high fives and congratulations or you did this so well and you did this so well. You're actually like pointing out places where I could become better as an actor and it's up to me to understand that you're not coming from a place of mean-spiritedness or anything. You're coming to help me get better as an actor so that everything else you're saying I'm doing right, I can add that extra piece to the puzzle and just make myself that much more valuable to whatever project I'm booked on. And that's what you need as a coach because they see your strengths, they see your weaknesses, and they know how to bring them up. Right, especially because nowadays there's even more competition now more mm -hmm. than ever 
there are a lot of veterans, well, not a lot, but there's a few veterans in this industry that don't really book anymore. And that's because back in the day when they were booking, there wasn't as much competition. Right. Nowadays, with all the competition, they're not holding up. So that's another reason why it's so important to see the credibility of the coaches you're currently learning from. Are Absolutely. they booking today? When was the last time they booked? If they haven't booked in two years, that's a red flag. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, again, too, like you you mentioned that they may not be booking now because there is a lot more competition for me. It's the silver lining of the pandemic because I don't live in one of these major hubs where I may not have had those opportunities. But, you know, again, you hear the stories, these veterans, they have to re-audition for parts. And if they haven't booked X part that they had for 20 years before, whatever it may be, and they just disappear off the face of the earth, what makes, you know, like they may have some knowledge, but what makes them, up to date. Yeah, exactly. With the times and what's currently booking now and not to, not to knock anyone, but it's just the questions you need to consider when you're looking for a good coach. Exactly. Because this is your money and your time. Absolutely. Waste it on someone who's going to give you outdated information about this industry. Very, very true. And then another thing too, just going back to like the wide world that is able to like audition now, because we're, we're communicating through a computer screen You've had stage directing, you know, experience. You've had stage management experience. Did you notice any difference or struggle trying to coach through like Zoom or Skype or whatever it may be as opposed to doing it in person? In all honesty, no. I love teaching virtually. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up access to so many more people oh, yeah. who want to do this. It, it allows me to educate people no matter where they live. Very, very true. And then like just performing improv, like I, I've done some locally here in Nashville and then I've done some with people around the world as far as the Philippines. And if the energy's there and those people bring it, you can feel it through a computer screen. You can feel it and it makes it that much more engaging, just like you were in a live face to face session too. Now, I do say I will say I do want to get some face to face coaching and have that like in person connection, but man, like with what I'm able to get right now, I love it. And it's just it's fun when you have those light bulb moments too it's such an amazing feeling when you do look for an in-person coaching session mm-hmm. i highly recommend that it's more than being lecture based yeah oh yeah and that you make sure it's a workshop of absolutely where you can go into a booth and record and get feedback in that way yep because um there's, there's only, there's a lot we can do virtually, mm-hmm. but there's only some, only some, just a few aspects of this that do better in person. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I, that's, that's one of the things I'm looking for right there. It's like you crawled in my mind and just picked it out because I, you can learn some things from a lecture, but if, if you're wanting to learn behind the mic and you're wanting to get that feedback and constructive criticism, you have to be able to perform in front of that person and have them like give you the feedback that you need as well. So everything just you just said, spot on. Yeah, and to some extent, you can definitely do that virtually. Mm-hmm. But but when you get the chance, doing an in-person session with someone who is who is currently actively casting or directing or voice acting in this industry, someone who's actually working nowadays and hasn't even had a lull in their schedule. That's the person you want to learn from. Absolutely. And one of the things too, especially like coaching wise that I don't think gets talked about enough. 
And this was one thing that I, it kind of surprised me when you said it. But, you know, when we came to the end of our coaching tenure, you said flat out, I, I feel like I have taught you everything that I can offer you to teach you. Here's who I would recommend you look at next. But you see so many people that still, you know, are like, well, we're going to keep going through this or we're going to keep going through this. And sometimes those lessons get repetitive or you don't come away with the same sense of fulfillment and, you know, not not knocking anybody, not speaking negatively. But the the amount of honesty that you taught me right there and then just giving me the other opportunities to seek somebody like Paul completely caught me off guard. But it was so refreshing, too, because it's like, OK. She, she is not here to take money. She is here to help. She is here to guide you on the path and make you a better actor, even if she's not the one coaching you. So that, that spoke volumes to me. I, I do my best to be transparent in that way. I do have a list of people I recommend. Mm-hmm. I, I highly encourage branching out to multiple teachers. Absolutely. Even aside from me. And I want to give you as much as I can. And once I've reached that point where I feel like there's not... not much more I can teach you, that's when I want to refer you to someone else that I trust, who I feel mm-hmm. can elevate your your abilities even beyond mine. Absolutely. And I can I can say from experience, not blowing smoke, not saying it just because we're talking here now, but I, I've sung Paul's praises on previous episodes before. I've talked about how his dialects have helped me book things and it's it's just a mind-blowing experience to know that you put all these reps in, and it may take a while. It's a long game, but when they finally come to pass and you actually do it, it's a pretty surreal feeling, but it's well worth it, and it makes all the time and the reps you put in that much more rewarding. Mm-hmm. But man, this is this has been such a great, like, great chance to catch up with you and chat as well, but... I'm going to put links in the show notes for everything that you've got going on, especially the coaching, but is there anything else that you would like to plug for the audience or anything uh, coaching-wise you would also like to talk about? Yeah, sure. Um, I love meeting new people and helping you on your voiceover journeys, so feel free to sign up for some coaching through the link that Flynn's going to post. And um, feel free to also follow me on Twitter if you're interested in keeping up with more news about uh, coaching opportunities and even additions to my talent roster. If you guys want oh, to yeah. keep, keep up to date on that, feel free to follow me at the Morgan Berry. Absolutely. And I'll make it easy. Everything is going to be linked in the show notes. So you guys can thank me later. And just one, one of the thing you mentioned too, and I didn't even think about this until you just mentioned Twitter, but if, if you're comfortable talking about it, one thing that like really, I respect about you is that you use your platform to, you know, speak up for what you believe in. What are you like? How do you just tune out the negativity that social media has allowed the world to have so much access to, but also use your platform to bring light to these things that we need to know about and just share the positivity to make people aware of these things that we can correct and we can make better in the world. What's that like for you? I I try to be careful what I post on my public professional Mm -hmm. Twitter and Instagram, but when I can, I will post to my Instagram story or I will retweet something on Twitter that I feel is necessary for people to read about the state of the world and this country that I live in. And I try to keep it to the minimum though, because I understand everyone's got their own beliefs and I Mm -hmm. respect that, but I respect that. But I also believe in, 
everyone's own personal freedom. Yes. And I don't believe in ever, ever forcing my own religious beliefs or anything on other people. And so I, I try to be careful about what kind of posts I make. But if I feel if I feel it can benefit someone and educate someone, I will retweet it and and uh, send it out to people just for them to take a look at. But for the most part, I I post about my voiceover work and mm-hmm. convention appearances and stuff. Absolutely. But um, I try to stay as professional about it as I yep. can. And that's again, that's one thing that I, I respect so much is you see some people that lean so far one way or lean so far the other way. And if you don't agree with what they say, you're completely wrong. But, you know, like you share it, you don't really post too much of an opinion on it, but you give people the chance to make their own decisions on it. You just use your platform to make them aware, and that's something that I, I can't sing your praises enough about because it's, you know, it's some heavy stuff, but, again, you're just trying to make people aware so that hopefully we come out better on the other side and that situation may get corrected or may we may never have to deal with it again because we see how bad it is. And I just I, I respect you for using your platform to not only do that but just bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that you appreciate it. Of course, I mean it, the world can be a scary place. It can be a troubling place sometimes, but there's a lot of positivity to be found as well. And I, I can't sing your praises enough or thank you for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to make this interview happen. Come on here and share some positivity, and also. Thank you again for blessing me with my name. So, like, I, I can't say thank you enough. Oh, thank you. Like, thank you for being such an amazing person and for accepting what I have to give. Of course. There are some people that are very, um, I've had people that were very closed off to any advice I gave them. Mm-hmm. And even as a professional, sometimes you will get people that just for whatever reason don't want to believe you. And it's, it's right. interesting deal with people like that so i appreciate you 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 know soaking up all of that knowledge i had to give you i appreciate of course taking that and using it to help you in your journey well that means that means the world to me and again if i'm going to put my time and effort into it i want to do it justice and if your name is going to be attached to me in some way i don't want to do anything that's going to raise any red flags or make you feel like i'm dragging your name down with it so i'm just going to try and give it the best i can and hope for the best from there Man, again, this has been an awesome chance to catch up with you, and I'm glad that we finally got to do it after the reschedules and however long it's been since I've actually seen you on camera. So, I mean, this was a great, great interview for me, and it feels like it just flew by. So thank you again for taking the time to do it. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's no problem at all. It was my pleasure. And, guys, if you're in the voiceover world and you want to get some coaching from Morgan, like I said, I'm going to have information to her links in the show notes. Go check her out. And if you do, tell her you heard her on the podcast or tell her Flynn sent you, and that way she knows that you listen to the Cool Kids podcast, you heard a pretty cool interview, and that you're serious about what you're doing there because you won't be disappointed. And go keep up with everything Morgan's got going on. Go keep up with everything I've got going on. Everything is in the show notes below. Get that merch. Keep the podcast going. Help the Humane Society. Everybody wins. And on top of that, be good to yourself. Give yourself some credit. And go out in the world and do some good before I come back next week with another awesome episode. So for myself, for Morgan, I thank you all for tuning in tonight. And I can't wait to talk to you all again next week. And I know you hear me.
The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.